everybody. Welcome to This Good Word. This is Steve, and this is episode 15. The word today is seeds. I want to talk about something hidden deep within each one of us, something pulsing with life, something buried and forgotten, but so necessary. I want to talk about that spark, that God-given something that lies buried within each one of us. And I want to talk about the need to name it and to bring it out. I want to help you see the seeds of life which have been embedded within you by God. And I want to help you nurture their growth. I want to help you know what to do when you find it. I want to help you look for it. I want to help you see it in other people because this is how I believe the world will be made right. Over and over again, we see it in the scriptures, we see it in life, we see it in history when someone wakes up to who they are and to the God-given life that's been embedded within them by God, when that comes forward into reality, really redemptive, beautiful, and generative things happen in the world. So that's what I want to talk about today. This is week four of my beginning series where I'm kind of teasing out the content of my new book, which is called Beginnings. It's launching on January 1st. You can get it anywhere you buy books at that date. You can also pre-order it if you would like to do that uh, on my website, uh, steveweens.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode, episode 15 of Seeds, and you can get it there. And I am do, I'm giving away one free book a week in the weeks leading up to my launch. I want to give a big shout out to Mary Biederman of Hugo, Minnesota. Mary, you won the first copy. You won uh, a copy last week. You'll be getting it in the mail this week. It's, it'll be signed by me. I'm so excited to get it to you. I loved reading about your story on email. So I'm going to give away another book this week. All you need to do is email me, steve at steveweens.com or... Tag me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram with a serious or hilarious reason why you need the book before it launches on January 1st. And I got so many great responses last week. It was so good to hear you. I wish I could give free copies to everybody. I just don't have that many copies, and I am not independently wealthy, so I can't do it, but I wish I could. So please enter the contest. All you need to do is get me uh, by December 7th, Monday, Again, the reason why you need to read the book now. It could be funny, it could be serious, whatever. I also want to give a huge shout out to my friend Jenny Hill. I wrote the foreword to Jenny's book, which is called Walking with Tension, just an incredible book. I interviewed Jenny on This Good Word a few weeks ago, and Jenny, I mean, totally surprised me this week by saying she's giving away seven copies of Beginnings. She's doing a little um, trivia contest on her on Facebook. And so I'm going to put the link to Jenny so you can follow along and maybe win a free copy via Jenny. She's going to pre-order it, and so you'll get it in January right when it comes out. So, oh my gosh, Jenny, you are the best. You're the bomb. Okay, so without any further ado, let's dive into today's good word, Seeds. And it comes from Genesis 1. My whole book uh, is a reimagining of what it would be like if Genesis 1 was actually not just an event which happened thousands of years ago or maybe millions of years ago, but something that keeps happening in you, in me, and in the world. So we looked at Tove, this idea of 
the good that springs out of each of us, out of the tohu vavohu. We talked about light, when light pierces the darkness. We've talked about the expanse, the need for each of us to create space in our own lives so that really, really good things can grow in us. And day three is all about seeds. And so this comes from Genesis 1. I'm going to read, actually, verses 11 through 13 from the message, which Eugene Peterson translated. And it goes this way, God spoke, earth, green up, grow all varieties of seed-bearing plants, every sort of fruit-bearing tree. And there it was, earth produced green, seed-bearing plants of all varieties and fruit-bearing trees of all sorts. God saw that it was good, it was evening, and it was morning, day three. So in those three verses, a delicious question should emerge. You should be asking the question, what does it mean to be seed-bearing? What does it mean to be seed-bearing? So you can picture these plants and these trees bursting up out of the ground. They would be familiar in sight, though all different kinds of varieties, oak trees, maple trees, birch trees, aspens, redwoods, and all kinds of plants and bushes, mustard seed trees. And they all include within them seeds. This is how more trees and more bushes appear over the course of thousands and millions of years because a seed becomes a tree which contains more seeds within them. They drop those seeds, and those seeds become more trees. So what it means to be seed-bearing is it simply means that the future is contained within the present. The future is contained within the present. And I believe it's true that you and me are the same way. We have something buried within us. When we burst forth onto the scene, when we were born, we were born with seeds embedded in us by God. Beautiful, generative potential for future life so that when it comes out, the future is contained in the present. So question, do you believe that there is something deep inside of you that is so generative and future-shaping that the act of bringing it out will change the future for good. Do you believe that? Or is that so hidden, so buried, maybe so damaged, that maybe there was a time that you believed in that, but now it just sounds like fairy dust? Now it just sounds like something that used to be true but isn't true anymore. Do you believe that that thing, which has been embedded in you by God, and it's many, many more things than just one, but for each one of us, there's a typical way in which when it comes out, we feel joy and we bless the world. Do you believe that that happens? I have a friend named Jenny. She's a chaplain. And she spends most of her days driving around to different hospitals and hospices, 
and she sits with people who are dying. She has a way of sitting with you. And I've had coffee with her. I've had many conversations with Jenny. Jenny has a way of sitting with someone where you feel like you're the only person in the room, where her questions and her eyes bring out the dignity of the person that she's talking to. So when she's sitting with someone who's dying, who's being forgotten, and who's been forgotten, you know, people are most people... um, It's like when you get to be a certain age in life, you stop being uh, a point of focus of people other than to be maybe something that other people think you have to deal with. Oh, I have to deal with my aging parents. Oh, I have to deal with that person who's sick. And it's kind of a bummer and it's a big tragedy. And it is a big tragedy. And it does really, really take a lot of energy. But Jenny is specifically gifted seeds of life are sitting with people who are in pain, giving them dignity and helping them to cross over to God's presence with peace. And that is quite a gift. Those are her seeds. And when she brings them out, the future is contained in the present. She helps people move into their future with God with grace and peace and dignity. And it's amazing to see. I have another friend. Her name is Sinead. Hello, Sinead. I know you're listening. Hopefully you're listening. Sinead works for Team World Vision. And she helps literally hundreds and hundreds of people run marathons and raise money for kids who have no access to clean water, many of whom live in communities in Africa. Sinead and I have run together a few times, and the way she explains it is she says, I think my seeds are challenging people and pushing them to understand what's possible if they just try to do something they don't think they can do, like run a marathon. So we had a team of people from our church who ran the marathon, 10 or 12 of us, and we raised $32,000. It was amazing. That was enough for about 600,000. No, I'm so sorry, 600 kids to um, receive clean water and by digging wells and building wells. And it, uh, it, it was this really, really expansive thing that happened in the people that ran the marathon. Most of them had never run a marathon before. Most of them felt like there was no way in the world they could ever run a marathon. And Sinead's role is to sort of lovingly and inspiringly get in their face and help them believe that not only can they run the marathon, but they can raise money for kids in Africa who would who would have to walk miles and miles to get muddy water instead of having clean water right in their communities. When Sinead gets in someone's face lovingly and inspiringly, the future is created right there in the present. Seeds of future life are being spread all over the place in something generative, something hopeful, something very life-giving bursts out of the ground. And if Sinead didn't, and she has her own story, and she has her own story of pain and hope, but if that seed would have laid buried, I just, I shudder to think, what wouldn't happen in the world. 
I have another friend. His name is Dave. Dave is immensely gifted at coaching people, especially younger people, especially younger men, to become what they didn't think they could become. Dave's just a business guy. And when I say just a business guy, I mean that uh, not in the sense of being pejorative, but in the sense of he's not a superstar. He's not, you know, on the front page of the New York Times. He is leading his own business and coaching people to be all they can be. He restores things that are broken. He has a unique ability to see something that's broken, to see what needs to be fixed to see how beauty can bring can can be brought out of the ashes. He's restored a couple of homes. The house that he lives in right now is this beautifully restored Victorian turn of the century house that uh he you know he saw and it was kind of broken down and split up into a, it was made into a duplex and he saw what could be and he made it beautiful again. And they have people over and it's just gorgeous. But he does that in so many different ways. He knows how to bring what's broken and make it beautiful again. And this is something that he was born to do. And there have been so many people that have been affected by his life. There have been so many ways in which something that might have just stayed broken forever has been restored and healed because of Dave's presence in the world. And I shudder to think what wouldn't be restored in this world if it wasn't for Dave's presence? I've shared this before, I think. I'm, although I'm, I'm now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't know if I've shared it on this good word. I've talked about it with people. I think I've blogged about it. But I really believe, I've come to believe that my seeds that create the future in the present are words that there's something about me writing words and me saying words that help set people free. I don't know how this happens. I don't know exactly why this happens. But the more time I spend laboring over my words, choosing my words carefully, letting my words soak and marinate in God's grace and God's love and God's truth. And the more courage I have to put them out there, the more people are set free. And that sounds a little, I know how that sounds. It sounds like, man, am I bragging? Maybe I am. I don't mean to be. What I mean to do is own my gift, own my seeds. It took me a long time to discover what they were. But now that I know what they are, I'm spending a lot of time trying to nurture them, trying to help them come forth, and trying to create space so that those words can bless people's lives. What that means is that I say no to certain things that don't help me spread that out. And I try to say yes to the things that help my words, whether in written form or spoken form, get out there into the world. That's why I blog. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I preach. That's why I travel some. And that's what I believe was buried deep within me. And as I've shared before, I was a big time stutterer. So even to believe that words could be my seeds still confounds me. It still confuses me. It still makes me shake my head and chuckle because what an unlikely set of gifts, what an unlikely set of seeds 
for a little boy who stuttered. So I want to tell you about a story about a woman named Mary. It's a familiar story. It's an Advent story. It's a Christmas story. Mary, the mother of Jesus. You can read about this story in the Gospels, but she gets visited by an angel, and this angel says, don't be afraid, but you're going to become pregnant, and the person you're going to give birth to is going to be the Messiah, who's going to set the world right again. And Mary was probably 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. We don't know exactly how old she was. We do know she was um, a peasant. We know that she grew up in Galilee, and that's that. You know, that's the same thing with Jesus. He was seen as a hick. People from Galilee were seen as outstate hicks, and so that's what Mary was. And Mary is so interesting. She asks the angel this bold, brave question. How will this be since I've never been with a man? How will it be that I will be pregnant with the Messiah? I also think she's asking, how will it be that I, a peasant girl from Galilee, will be will, will receive this honor to carry and bring to life the Messiah? I mean, how in the world am I worthy of that? And then after some more conversation, she says this radical phrase. She says, okay, well then, let it be to me just as you say. So she becomes pregnant. She brings Jesus into the world. She carries Jesus in her room for 40 weeks. She nurtures Jesus as a baby. She uh, enrolls him in some sort of rabbinical school, we assume, where he ends up memorizing probably all of the Hebrew scriptures. She nurtures his gifts as a young man. She sees him when Jesus doesn't even realize what's happening yet as a young boy and an adolescent. Uh, she sees his extraordinary gifts and she fans them into flame. She realizes she's going to have to give him away someday, and she does. She is there at his death on the cross, and the process of Mary naming the seeds nurturing the seeds, wrestling with the fact that it was she that was going to carry those seeds and then giving those seeds away is is something that, you know, some of you may need to, that like that's your Advent practice. You're going to read over and over again the story of Mary. You're going to imagine some of the unwritten parts of what it must have been like for her to have five-year-old Jesus, 15-year-old Jesus, 25-year-old Jesus, what did it mean to cook meals for Jesus? What did it mean to wash his clothes? What did, what did it mean to caress his sweaty forehead when he had a fever? What did it mean to uh, help him when he fell down and sprained his ankle? What did it mean to console him when he cried? Because he did all those things because he was a normal boy, normal human being that grew up in, uh, in Galilee in the first century. And then to help him understand what it meant that he was the Messiah, that he was special, that he was set apart by God to do something really, really beautiful in the world, that he was that he had seeds of life that only he could do, that he was the very son of God, both human and divine. I mean, what did it mean for Mary to wrestle with that, to nurture that, to give that gift away? And when you start to think that way, you start to go, wow, this nurturing a seed and and bringing it to life and then giving it away in the world is one of the most sacred things that you can do. So what would it mean for you to wrestle with your own seeds of life that are buried deep within you? What would it mean for you 
do when confronted with perhaps what might be your seed? Like for me, it's words. And I got to tell you, I had to wrestle with that because I had to overcome lots and lots of shame associated with my words and believing who in the world would want to listen to a guy like Steve, uh, whose words were broken and garbled. And um, I remember awkwardly writing poetry when I was about 21 and it was terrible, you know, but I had to write it. And then I remember starting a blog and doing that and not knowing who would read it. I remember deciding to write a book and sending out a proposal, not knowing who in the world would ever pick up an unknown author with who was, you know, who was a nobody um, in Maple Grove, Minnesota. I mean, in all these vulnerable wrestlings, all these yeses, all these yes, uh, God, I will say yes to doing this. All the times I've climbed a stage to speak to preach, to teach people. Um, and it's been hundreds and all the moments of doubt. Can I really do this? Who, Who's going to listen to this? All the Monday morning preacher hangovers, which is what you feel when you say, oh my goodness, what did I say? When did, did I say it that way? Why did I say that? Oh my goodness. And did, does anyone really care? Is that helping anyone? There's all this wrestling when it comes to your gift. So what's your gift and how are you wrestling with it? How in the world are you going to um, uh, bring it out into the world? And what does it mean for you uh, to name it and um, to say yes to it? And then what does it mean for you to nurture it? Once you've named it, like once once I named that that words were my seed and once Jenny named that that being a chaplain was her seed, sitting with people as they die. Once Sinead named her seed, uh, and that's helping people understand that they can do much more than they think they can do. Once Dave understands, understood his seed, and that's uh, coaching people and helping to restore things. It's like, you got to start to nurture that. You got to start to create space so that those seeds can grow. Those seeds can't get crowded out by lots and lots of other things. You got to be really intentional about saying, this is what I do, and this is what I'm made for, and so I need to create space and time for it to grow. You need to really nurture it, and that takes discipline. Uh, for some of you, um, you, you, you know, you know, for some of you, you still need to name it, and so you're still in the wrestling stage, and that's great. That, that could take years. I, I want to tell you to have, have grace for yourself as you're in the wrestling and naming stage. But some of you really have named it, like you know what it is. And now you need to nurture it. Now you need to create space so that those seeds can grow. They can get crowded out by lots and lots of other demands, lots and lots of other things. And then, uh, but the last thing that you need to do with your seeds is you need to at some point give them away. That's what Mary did. It's what I'm doing with my words, what Jenny is doing, it's what Sinead is doing, it's what Dave is doing. Uh, at some point, they can't stay within within you. They're not just for you. Remember, they're the future created in the present when they sprout forth. They have seed. They are seed-bearing. All the good gifts that come out of you are seed-bearing. That means that they're meant to create more and more life. They're meant to drop seeds all over the place. They're meant to uh, create more life. So at some point, you need to give it away. You need to see the seed. You need to wrestle with it. You need to nurture it. And then you need to give it away. I'll never forget this thing that my son Elijah said. He found this acorn and he held it in his little palm and he showed it to me. And he said, Daddy, 
this is a tree. It was like, I was so blown away. Elijah's so brilliant in so many ways. I mean, he just surprises me like that all the time. But he had the vision to see a seed for what it could be. And I want to say it's going to take tremendous courage for you to see your own seeds as something that will one day be a tree, as something that will one day grow into something that you can't even imagine. It's so generative and beautiful. So my challenge to you is wrestle with your angel. Your angel, angel just means messenger in the Greek. That's in, in the Hebrew. That's all it means. It means messenger. And my belief is that God is sending you messengers all over the place, all the time, to help tell you what your seed of life is. God is conspiring with the universe to help you know and name your seeds. So be alert for the messengers. And once you get your message, and you'll get it more than once in your life, don't worry about it. If you've missed it, it'll keep coming back to you until you get it. Wrestle with it. How will this be that this is my seed? Ask questions. Wrestle with it. Wrestle it down. And then once you've named it, nurture it. Create space so that it can grow. And once it's grown, give it away. You can't hoard your gifts. Gifts are not made to be hoarded. Gifts are made to be shared. So my friends, that is my challenge to you. Name your seeds. Wrestle with it. Nurture it so that they'll grow and then give it away. That's how I think this world is going to be restored. That's what I think Jesus is still up to in the world. Jesus is inviting us to take our talents, to take our gifts, to take our seeds of life, wrestle with them, nurture them, and then give it away. Because what Jesus is up to in the world is to make it new to restore it, to rebuild it, and to reclaim it as his own creation. That is what is happening. And for those of us that can see it, our role is to join it. Can I get an amen? That's what seeds are all about. Okay, uh, I'm going to leave you with what is blowing my mind these days. And I'm going to give some shout a shout out to my friend Nate Pyle, who wrote a book called Man Enough. This is a book that redefines masculinity in an age where I think we're all so confused about what it means to be masculine. He takes a, li- a look at the life of Jesus, about uh, how he is confounding, and about he- how he defined a kind of masculinity that is pretty different from the kind of masculinity that most of us grew up with. This book is good, it's rich, it's true, and I will include a link on my show notes. So thank you, Nate, for writing this important book. So go to my show notes, steveweens.com. I want to remind you of the contest. Please email me, steve at steveweens.com, or tag me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, telling me why you need a copy of Beginnings right now. I'll sign it, I'll mail it to you free of charge. Uh, It can be funny, it can be serious. Just get it to me before Monday, December 7th. Remember, if you would like to read my blog, um, I'm doing a similar series on my blog. It comes out every Tuesday 
steveweens.com. You can read excerpts from the book. You can also find ways to pre-order the book, my book, Beginnings, from Amazon or wherever it is that you like to buy books and read the first two chapters for free. So check all that stuff out on my show notes. Okay, I am ending with our mantra that we say every week. You are dust and breath. You are human and holy. You are limited and limitless. And we are in it together. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. We'll see you next week.